Sons of the Hunt podcast, episode number 13, the third installment of two. Lucky 13, man. This is it. So, uh, the last episode, you know, I just kind of uh, ended the 2015 season. I think it was, yeah, 2015. Right. And uh, I passed up a lot of deer. And now I'm going to show you uh, a couple stories that kind of roll into 2016 that's this is where a few more things pick up and we uh like you just saw get in, introduced to a a new deer that kind of became my obsession and uh that's just kind of it's kind of the storyline and it kind of isn't at the same time so i mean which is kind of how most of these yeah yeah there's definitely some, some, seasons some, some twists and turns going on uh yeah, this this opens up with some really uh, really cool footage. Uh, just of some you know some of the deer that you you had some uh, encounters with. Um, but it's it what I like about this is it's going to take a couple of twists and turns for people that I think it's going to pay dividends in, in a big way. Yeah, uh, for uh, a lot of people uh, out there, been following along with the whole mantra of Sons of the Hunt so far. Right, and the one thing I should say is that this this installment mainly takes place at another farm that I hunt close to where I hunted in 2015 but I this is probably my favorite place to bow hunt and the buck activity there in 2016 was just a lot higher right so this was a uh, one encounter I had with a nice buck and this this is a common theme at this farm because what is it what it is this farm is 82 acres and this field that I hunt in, it's kind of a funky shape, but it's almost 46 acres itself. Okay. So I see deer across this field all the time and end sure. up rattling and grunting a lot of them in, which is what is going on right here. This is uh this was just, you know, two and a half year old eight pointer. He was I saw him come out in the top of the field and I hit the horns on the grunt tube and he came right underneath me. I mean it would have would have been a chip shot. Right. Yeah, know. he's still, he's a cool deer. Yeah. Cool deer. But it was, that's kind of how the it, the season ends up playing out for me. I mean, I, I, I pass up a few deer, which is, you know, similar to 2015. Sure. I had a, you know, a lot of two and a half year olds and I actually pass up a three and a half year old in 2015 and... It amazes me how much mass that a buck can put on in just two years. Yeah. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. That's why I have such a hard time aging deer uh, for the last couple of years. I'm getting a little bit out of it now, but for the longest time, I had such a, I struggled to age deer because I look at a two and a half year old deer. I'm like, he's like four. Yeah. He's five. <laughs> yeah. Just the, some of them put on so much mass in such a short amount of time. Uh, it makes it, it makes it tough to really reel yourself in when you're trying to field judge them. Yeah. And I, I just feel like I see so many two-and-a-half-year-old deer mm-hmm. that I, I just, I don't know. It's just one of those things I look at, all right, two-and-a-half, like yeah. two-and-a-half easy. But it seems like once you, at least in Pennsylvania, when, when you see that three-and-a-half, okay, he's thicker. Yeah, you know? yeah, you see the neck, the yeah. chest, you get that low-hanging belly. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I had to kind of focus in to, to learn how to feel judge deer a little bit better, but... uh yeah, there's some there's some bangers around, no doubt. But I tell you, it gets excited. You see a year, you know a two and a half year old deer coming out. It's got eight points sticking off his dome, man. It gets you excited no matter what. Yeah, and I mean, you have an encounter like this one where mm-hmm. a, a lot of 
the 2016 season, I was using a decoy. Yeah, I noticed that. Because uh, I think it was 20, 2014 in Ghost, mm-hmm. I had a couple encounters with deer across the field, and you'd rattle, and they just wouldn't respond. So I went out, and I got myself a decoy. And for the most part, it worked. Um, it looked <laughs> like it drew his attention for a minute there. Yeah, I mean, this was an, another layup. I, I had mm-hmm. this deer at 18 yards, and, you know, there's – a lot of people who would be thrilled with this. I mean, I could have sat there all day with this deer. Sure. You know, and he, he was curious. I mean, he was he was coming up to it. He was licking it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah. I thought, I'm not going to lie. I thought about it. Yep, but, yep. <laughs> but I, you know, you drew, draw the bow back, see, would I get away with it? Could I draw? And it just... It didn't feel right. Right, right. And that's a, that's a cool tactic. I've done that a few times on, on you know, smaller deer that I'm like, you know what, I just want to see if I can get the full draw on them. And, right. And, and it, again, it's great practice, man. When you're drawing on a live deer, uh, you can get your timing down. You can kind of get to where you feel where the, the deer's paying attention to whatever, the decoy or paying attention to a bird making a noise or a squirrel making a noise off in the distance. And you can kind of see when their attention is drawn away from you. And it's a, right. it's a good way to kind of uh, hone your skills a bit. Right. And I mean, just, you know, observing this deer's interaction with mm-hmm. the decoy. I mean, it's, there's, there, there's a lot of benefits to the decoy. Yeah. I, I mean, never, never tried one. I never used that technique. I mean, I've seen a few people who bring their 3D targets out there and throw them in the field just to get some attention. But actually two of the deer that are hanging on the wall here were shot over 3D decoys. How about that? Yeah. I, I, I was 3D targets, you know, huh? crazy, I don't know. 14, 15 year old, and I was carrying a, sure my my 3D target out in the, the woods with me, and it, it worked two years in a row. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just kind of the theme. I don't know how many different two and a half year olds I had in front of me that year, mm-hmm. but it just nothing was really sparking my interest. Uh, that's I a guess, good way of putting it. You know, sparking it, your it, interest. I mean, we've. And it, it's hard to find the right choice of words. I no, guess, no, you're, I, I know what you mean because you know we've talked about how uh, a lot of the decisions we, no, uh, numerous times we've touched on it, uh, how a lot of the decisions we make are just in the moment. You know right. what I mean? It's situational. Right. And if it doesn't feel right, I mean, I've I've let deer walk that I sh- I should have shot, no right. doubt, and I and I kicked myself a number of times, and but it just at the moment. Whether it was just the way they were acting, the way they were coming in, the angle they were at, whatever it is. I mean, something just told me we're going we're gonna to observe for a few minutes and see what happens. And then I ended up losing my opportunity. But, you know, it, it, there's situational is the best way to put it. I mean, there's, there's going to be a moment where you see an animal and you're like, okay, he's, he's giving it to me. Right. You know what I mean? And or the doe, whatever. You know, they're giving me that shot and it clicks in you and all of a sudden you go into that mode. Yep. That and that that's really it. I mean, if you, the best way to put it is, you'll know when. That's it. Yeah. You'll yeah. you know that, just like you said, it'll click in you. That's it. And uh, yeah, those couple interactions I had, it just wasn't there. And I uh, there's a there's a cut scene here where I'm kind of talking about it did slow down, in the, I think it was like the third week of October. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it the October lull? I don't know. I don't really believe in that. But <laughs> it, it it felt that way. You know, once you have a couple sits and, and you're you're not really seeing Oh, anything. I know, man. I've been there. I've been there numerous years. And then you're – I'm not seeing – I wasn't seeing a lot of sign. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I wasn't even seeing deer on their feet. I, th- I think it was kind of warm. So uh, this was, when when this was recorded, this was Friday, so I had already had a week of vacation. Mm-hmm. So this is Friday, and uh, my wife actually passed her boards that day, and I ended up buying uh, tickets to a concert in New York. So I skipped the evening there. Ah, there's worse things you could skip a, a an evening yeah. hunting for. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> here here's the thing. Yeah, a man's got to know his limitations and when to make the right decisions. Oh, absolutely. So, and that, that's that that's 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 a pretty good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good point. I and mean, it's not all about it. For as much as we eat, sleep, and breathe this kind of stuff, uh, knowing when to kind of set it aside for yeah. for a, a, a greater cause, if you will. Uh, and it. it it might have been the the right thing to do because maybe you know I was just hammering that area and it was yeah it was just that's why it was cold it's burned out yeah but uh you know we got back the next day pretty early well I think we left New York at like noon so I'm not even gonna say it's pretty early right right but I got in the stand early ish <laughs> well for the condition we were in the next day it was <laughs> it was pretty early so. <laughs> Dragged myself to the stand uh, and got in there. I think it was probably three, three thirty. Which I mean, during this time of the year, yeah, that's a good time to get in stand. Well, being later, I I would try to be there as early as possible. But either way, it, it, this I think what happened here is something that I've been. Holding back, I I don't think many yeah. people know about this, and uh, I'm just gonna let it play. I know Jay has already seen it. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, and it was getting later in the afternoon, and I rattled, and it was one of those nights. It was dead silent. There was no wind. There was nothing. So I rattled, and I was hunting this this corner of this field. And I could see a deer moving on the far edge of the field, coming towards the field. And I was just getting glimpses of him, and then a glimpse here, and then I finally saw a flash of antler, and then I finally saw his torso, and that was the thing that gave it away. Yeah. This was this was a mature deer. Mm-hmm. So he stepped out, and he slowly just started walking in, and uh, it agonizingly took slow him forever. <laughs> So just for the people who are listening to this, I really am going to urge you to go watch this because in the video version, I'm just going to let this play. We're not going to talk over this because the way I set it up, you know, I I picked certain music, something that meant something to me. And if you listen to it, it it all kind of plays together. And, uh, but anyway, I was using the same tactic, different Mm -hmm. stand. I had the decoy set up to my left, a little bit behind me. I won't hunt this stand unless the wind is coming from my right to left mm-hmm. and going out into the upper part of the field. That night it was perfect. Yeah. So just watching the way this deer reacted to the decoy compared to what those two-and-a-half-year-old deer did, mm-hmm. it, it's mind-boggling. Right. I mean, it's obviously an older deer. Uh, yeah. that, that you're focusing on at, at this point in, in the, uh, in the film. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just amazing how they can really throw you a curveball. 
Yeah. Constantly. I don't know what. At any given moment. He just didn't like the way. The I mean, looked. you can see he's got his nose up. He's checking the wind. I mean, yeah, he's in a, he's in a, he's postured. I mean, he's got so, something didn't really jive with him. So uh, what ended up happening, he took, uh, he stopped at 33 yards turned around, went back, and stopped, and looked back at the decoy, and he stopped at, it was 48. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've said it before, when I was shooting that expedition, I was practicing at 75 Mm -hmm. all the time. 48 was, to me, was nothing. Right. Now, it's going to be a point of contention where people are going to say, is it an ethical shot? In my opinion, yes. I could make that shot. I'm confident with that. And there are a couple contributing factors that I think, you know, in retrospect, yeah, I I probably should have done this or I should have done that. But in that moment, to remember everything, yeah, I put that pin where it should have been. Mm -hmm. And that arrow was going right where it was. Absolutely. Hindsight's twenty twenty. And, and again, for those listening, uh, you know, we, Mark and I sat and reviewed this footage numerous times. And that arrow was going right where it should have gone. Yeah. I mean. I'm, I'm going to, I'll put up the video and I'll put a, a dot where, you know, he should have been. But again, you know, you could say I should have anticipated mm-hmm. the drop. Yeah. At 48 yards Man, it is hard to not put your pin on that deer. Well, that's it. You're looking at a small target at at, at that distance. So and, I mean, uh, you know, I'll you play it. I'll sh- you, if you watch the video, you're gonna see that he entered the matrix, and his <laughs> brisket touches the ground. Yeah, I mean, what? he really dropped and spun at the same time. So, like I said, they they have this habit of throwing you curveballs. Uh, when you least expect it, and uh, and that was definitely a curveball. Because like I said, I mean, we we watched it numerous times, over and over. Like, okay, I'm going to focus on where his sweet spot is, and I'm not going to pay attention to the deer dropping. I'm just going to look at where he was, and that arrow was was dead on. Yeah, it's I just mean, he, uh, you know, he swung it, he swung and spun and took off on here before the arrow got there. And I would confidently say that this year of my life i was Mm -hmm. shooting the best i had ever shot yeah i was so confident you know i was shooting all the time probably more than i ever did in my Mm -hmm. entire life and it i know the air was good yeah you know that's and and that's it you know it doesn't you can shoot you know yeah it's different if you're a guy who comes out and it's like okay i bought my bow I'm going to shoot it every once in a while. Maybe go shoot at a range occasionally, and then a couple of weeks before the season, I'm going to bust out my bow and and get busy with it. But you know, this falls back on the outdoor lifestyle part of yeah. this whole aspect. You know, hundred percent. You, I, I, I am having an issue with my bow right now, and my bow is in the shop. It's going back in the shop. It's like, and I'm, I may not have it for opener. But I was talking to uh, the young lady who's working on it at the pro shop. I said, listen, if I can get this back within a few days, because I shoot so frequently and so often that I'm confident that I'll be able to hunt with this bow, even with only having it for a few days out of the shop. Same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I... I'm so comfortable with it already because yep. I shoot year round. Yeah. That's the outdoor lifestyle. Some people shoot, you know, and that's cool, man. You want to shoot a couple weeks before the season and you're successful with it. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's your gig. But you know, I shoot as much as possible. I'm trudging through the snow 
you know, and day yeah. after Christmas, I'm like, I'm out there shooting arrows, knocking the snow off my target because that's what I want to do. Yep. So I'm comfortable taking that bow out and just shooting it after two days, three days out of the shop so I can get in a tree stand for the beginning of the season. Um, so, you know, having the confidence in your equipment speaks volumes and yeah. it really goes a long way when you're under the gun and no pun intended, uh, you're, you've got that pressure and you start, you're trying to settle that pin when you've got a good deer in front of you, you know, the amount of time you put into it and the experience that's going to really translate into efficiency, Yeah, yeah. you know? So, and I quoted Harry Callahan once already this episode, mm-hmm. I'll quote him again. Man's got to know his limitations. Yep. And yep. That, that's just it. You got to know what you're comfortable with and what you could do. And I felt like I could make that shot. And that's it. You know, you, it's hard to figure out what your limitations are until you exceed them. And you, 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 you move past them and you, okay, all right, I figured it out. Yeah. I went too far with it. You know, and not that you went too far with that because again, I, I watched that shot over and over again with you. And, you know, if that deer had stood still, he was a dead man, you know, yeah. dead deer walking, but yeah. But I'll tell you what, famous for throwing curveballs, man. That's it. And, you know, just every time I watch this footage, my, it just, my heart just breaks again. Oh, no doubt. It just, it is the absolute worst feeling. I mean, think of like your worst anxiety mm-hmm. and, and multiply it by 10. And it just, it just like, there's a, a time bomb ticking in your stomach and no your, doubt. your heart's in your throat. And it is, it's. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, I know. You know, I, I made a bad shot on a deer uh, years ago, and I don't have it on film to watch over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I don't know. What am I, I have a hard enough or? time dealing with it in my brain, you know what I mean? And, for punishment, but yeah. I don't know. But, well, to put it out there, though. But I'll know, tell you what. If, if, it, if I hadn't watched this so many times, yeah, I don't – I would still be telling – Myself and Aaron, the shot was good. The shot was good. The shot was good. Mm-hmm. It was good, but you know, next time I have any shot at distance, that pin's going to be a little lower. A hair lower, yep. You yeah. know it. And, 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 and that's it, yeah. And that, this is what it's about. And sure. I hope that somebody else could pick that up from this. And that's it. it you know, we, we've, we, again, we've talked about all this stuff before about, uh, you know, learning from your experiences, learning from, questionable actions um, you know going back and leaning on your experience um i mean everything that we've harped on in the last 12 episodes prior to this one all comes down to that exact moment right there where, yep. where you let that arrow fly i mean uh, it's all situational i mean there are some good deer that you passed up in some of the these these uh you know experiences that you have with these deer you know and these encounters and that just was the one that clicked for you yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and wasn't the first time, wouldn't be the last time. Right. And I mean, like I said, people harvest deer and take shots for all different kinds of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one to judge you for any of them. But I mean, if a mature deer steps out, absolutely. If, like we said before, if that inner instinct clicks yeah. for you, I'm good with that too. Yep. So if you're out there for meat, I don't care. If it's legal, shoot it. I, if yep. that's what it is for you, that's fine. I'm not one to judge you, just as anyone else shouldn't be one to judge 
what anyone else shoots. And that's it. And there's it, really no point. Hopefully, that becomes more of the uh, the norm. Uh, you know, we see it all the time. You know, we Mark and I have harped on a lot of these social media stuff almost ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, you know how people really spend too much time judging each other, and you know we're battling each other online and stuff like that. You know, I'm. It's really refreshing to see a lot of stuff out there now where guys are like hey man shoot what makes you happy and you're seeing it change you're seeing that turn so to speak and uh you know and it's very refreshing to see because for a while there man it was getting scary it was getting scary the way we we interacted with each other so you know if man if you want to go out there and and shoot deer for meat man that's that's my gig yeah. That's what I love to do. Um, so that's, that I'm cool with it. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's I like it. Venice we just can't, as much as the next guy. That's it. And we, we can't judge other judge our brothers and sisters on, on their their motivation. Right. You know what I mean? So uh but uh yeah, I mean that being said, uh the next day I let that deer go overnight. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, obviously, and uh went out with my dad and man it's it blows my mind just looking at this arrow. Mm-hmm. Just I know I was surprised to, to see that. I was surprised to see that it it didn't pass through. I know that. I mean, you saw him run away with it mm-hmm. in his in it sticking out, but end to end, that white arrow is drenched mm-hmm. in bright red blood. It it's it's mind blowing, really, it, especially honestly. considering the blood we were finding as we were going along. You know. We, we found good blood basically all the way down to that creek, like mm-hmm. I said, in, you know, 2014. I hit that same deer. Yeah. Or no, not 2014. That was in, in Ghost a couple years before that. I hit Gotcha. One. He was heading the same way, heading down towards a stream, followed him to the stream, picked up the blood on the other side of the stream. He started going uphill. Blood fizzled right out. Yeah. We, we started doing circles, and... Essentially, I spent the next four days not sitting in tree stands. That was Saturday night. Sunday, we went, picked up the arrow, walked around a little bit. Monday, I looked. Tuesday, I looked. I think that this was this was actually Thursday when this happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up hiking all the way to the top of this mountain because the landowner had told me, that there's a saddle up on top of the mountain, like a low spot mm-hmm. that he has seen wounded deer pass through. So I figured okay. I'd get up there and I would just, you know, start kind of grid searching that. And, uh, yeah, I didn't find blood. I didn't find beds. I, I found nothing. No sign of that deer anywhere. Two, two advantages I think that you had in your favor was one white arrow. Because yeah. that blood really shone true on it, that arrow. I mean, it was unbelievable. And the lighted knocks. I'm a big believer in lighted knocks, yeah. man. I don't They're think I'll on the expensive side, but because you start adding up the components on your arrow, and you know you're looking at a thirty plus dollar arrow, but yeah. it's worth it all day long in my eyes, man. All yeah. day. A good arrow, a good broadhead, and a lighted knock. Yeah, all day. Yeah, I mean, I would rather have the peace of mind that I've got something extremely lethal and efficient. Indeed. You know, I, I, I'll pay for that. Absolutely. So anyway, I uh, I was continuing along here, and I crested a hill, and this encounter happened right here. I came up and just crested a hill, and there was a deer. Yeah, I, 
as soon as I saw him, I mean, he, he didn't see me. I know that, but yeah. he started grunting and it, it was, it was a decent buck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm going to let actually this, this part play. I think I'm going to insert the, uh, the audio from this clip into the podcast because I think it, it kind of sums up what we've been talking about. Absolutely. You know, there, like I said, there's several different reasons that people pull the trigger. And uh, I think that, honestly, this is the best way that I've ever summed it up. That's it. The situational aspect just can't be understated. Yeah. But what ended up happening is he came towards me. He started quartering, you know, just slightly quartering towards me, and he got about 20 yards, and uh, I decided to pull the trigger. You know, that that instinct just kicked in and... And that's it, man. That's what happens. It's situational. You know, you weren't in tree stand. You were on the ground. You're eye to eye, mano a mano, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, I, I've tried to stalk on deer doing that. You know what I mean? The wind caught me and I lost it. But man, the, just the charge you get out of that, man, when you're right on the ground with them and you're at eye level. Yeah. I, I, I can't see how that wouldn't contribute to and, uh, triggering that switch, you know? And, and maybe it was just, like I like I explained in that clip, the the fight or flight, yeah, just the shock mm-hmm. of seeing like you know like a living animal all right. of a sudden he's twenty yards away and we just notice each other and it's it's almost like all right threat, yep, you know and and I mean, clearly I could feel it right now just talking about it yeah you know clearly I mean? not a threat but it took me by surprise and you know it's like catching it's like any other wild animal's instinct yeah you know you you catch <laughs> go sneak up on your dog and ground by the by the tail or the hind quarter and see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know he, it doesn't matter. He's gonna snap. No, that's it. It's that. And, and again, to those who have experienced that whole switch, yeah, they know what we're talking about. Yeah. To those who haven't, shame on you. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> no, mean, just kidding. Just kidding. But <laughs> but honestly, you know, it's it's something that. We've tried to put into words a few times as creators, as writers, um, you know, it's hard to put that into words and, you know, so I'm not going to even try again, but there, there's, there's a sense that just becomes almost palpable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it really drives you to go, okay, this is, that that's what makes that decision for you yeah. more often than not. Yeah. And, you know, it, you, you look back at, at this, and I, and I always rewatch it, and I'm just like, it it was the right moment. Mm-hmm. It was everything about it was right, and it you can't make excuses. You can't apologize for it. Nope. It's just it is what it is. That's as, it, as man. Cliche is that statement is, and I hate using it. Sometimes that sum, it sums it up the best. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think I, I think that's gonna kind of set a lot of people at ease maybe i'm overstepping or you're assuming too much but you know there's a lot of pressure that are that's put on a a lot of hunters nowadays whether it be through the television or through social media whatever that you know well he wasn't the biggest deer he's not the he's not a monster he's not the biggest deer in the woods i hate hearing people say that because it's almost like they're disappointed in in the choice they made you know what i mean you see a deer that gets you going man all for it all for it enjoy the moment and obviously, who doesn't want to shoot a bigger deer? The guy who right. shot a, a 
a 214 inch deer would love to shoot a 215 inch deer and and, and that's it and, and, and yeah and the back of your mind absolutely um you know i always preach about meat hunting and whatnot but i'll tell you what man i love to see a big buck just like the next guy sure you know who um who doesn't that's it but from, i'm not gonna hold my breath on it you know from the mean? conservation standpoint if you could shoot the most mature deer in the woods absolutely right i'll tell you what in pennsylvania <laughs> it's rare it's tricky you're gonna see them. it's tricky it's it's gotten to be more commonplace uh the last couple of years than it has been in the past but i think that comes a lot more to the you know we're we're seeing we may be seeing fewer deer in the woods but we're seeing better quality deer in the woods yeah. you know the old days of seeing 20 30 deer in the woods yeah that was cool and all but you were also seeing a lot of four pointers and a lot of spikes, yeah. and that's where people were shooting. Yeah. Now you're seeing fewer deer, maybe on you know first day or throughout the season. But when you do see a buck, it's more likely going to be a better quality, healthier buck than sure. you would have seen sure. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, uh, as I sit there and I hold that deer that scores, who cares? I don't know. Right. Seventy five, seventy five inches. Mm-hmm. A few years prior to that, I was holding a deer that had 140 inches. Maybe. Right. It it's not really about that. It is secondary. Sure. the The antlers are should be secondary. It's not about the antlers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about that feeling. It's it's about more than one aspect. Right. Right. You know, and it's it's just it's a difficult thing. And and I I honestly. It's it's hard for me to summarize where we are as a community because of just the stigma that's out there because of social media with all these deer that you see that are unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you see, you're only going to see giant deer on social media mostly because yeah. those are the ones that get shared. You know, you're seeing guys from Iowa, you're seeing guys from Illinois. Ohio with these monstrous deer. Sure. It's it's like having an unrealistic expectation as somebody who hunts in Pennsylvania. Sure. You're not going to shoot a three-and-a-half-year-old every year. You're not going to see a three-and-a-half-year-old every year. Mm-hmm. You might, but chances are you're not. And and that's, you know, taking into consideration where you're hunting and don't feel bad about anything. And that's it. It you're all comes much, down to you know, what's your goal. What is your goal for the area? What is your goal for the season? Uh, some people will let the smaller bucks go because they have a, an, an end game. They have a long-term goal for that property. So that's fine. Shoot dough. Um, you know, other people are on a piece of property that it, it might be 10, 15, 20 acres. You've got a small piece of private property that you kind of have to take what you, you're given. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that either. Because right. you know if you don't shoot it, the neighbor's probably going to. And that's like what have been one of the biggest complaints for years. If I don't shoot it, the neighbor's gonna. Well, fine. Well then shoot it. Be happy with it. And, and you know, the more people that start to um embrace that, I think the better off everyone's gonna be. Right. Because you're you're not gonna see a majority of these big one fifty plus class deer. You're right. gonna see a majority of the one twenty, the ninety inch deer, you know what I yeah. mean? Where that that whole the inches become secondary, like you right. said, and right. the experience becomes primary. And that's what people who are just starting to kind of stray into this whole lifestyle are going to appreciate more than how many inches of bone yeah. on the head. You know what I mean? And, and if you're just, like like you said, people who are just coming into it, mm-hmm. just starting, just go kill a deer. Go yeah. kill a legal yeah. deer. Get and, one under the belt, man. And eat it. 
Yeah. yeah. And trust me, you'll be you'll be good. And send us a picture of whatever you cook at hashtag challenge. <laughs> but I will wrap up this segment with two days later. This was where uh, this was my stand where the decoy was. Mm-hmm. And this was Saturday. And uh, this is where I expected the deer that I hit to, to be standing under no. my mock scrape there. Kidding. Saturday, last day of archery season at noon. How about that? This is not something I've seen before. Oh, you never saw that? No. Uh, the, the beginning of that is pretty good. I think we missed it, but uh, let me let me forward it for you. Um, I'm fumbling here. As the, that's all right. That's all right. Again, <laughs> as people who are listening, uh, he just showed me a pretty interesting clip. And and for those who are watching the video, if you see me looking up at the corner like I'm kind of dazing off, yeah. I'm actually staring at a television. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that a few times where I'm looking at it going, wow, I just look like I'm dazing off into the corner. Yeah. No, I'm looking at a monitor. But, I mean, this was if, – if I were sitting in the stand mm-hmm. yeah, all day, I, this – I don't know. What, yeah. What do you think, 140? Yeah, he's a good deer, man. He's probably four and a half. Yeah, and, and again, the, the yeah, the antlers. He's got he's got a great a great rack on him. But I mean, as I'm looking at him, I'm looking at his neck, his shoulders. Hog. Yeah, he's a big deer. He's just a, a cow of an animal walking yep. around the woods, just in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So there is your conundrum, <laughs> <laughs> and everything we just said is yeah. contradictory. And who a knows? Bit. You, you hold out, but welcome to hunting. It, and you know what? Whatever that choice is, that is yours alone. No mm-hmm. one else can do it for you, and no one else should judge you for it. And uh, how about it? That's uh, well said, man. Well that said. was that was 2016. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll wrap up the first half, and I'll be bringing 2017 next time, and that will be it. And then, uh, geez, it might be might be bow season. How about that? We oh, it's got to be, be by that time. Yeah. Good deal. Maybe uh, not. Maybe we'll squeeze another one or two in before then. We but, might be uh, able to. We might be able to do it. I I, I need to uh, put some clips together. But the interesting part of that whole situation is the deer in the beginning that I filmed. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting a velvet uh, picture of him by that stand where I passed up those couple smaller eight pointers and uh, never saw him again. Hmm. But he will be back. No doubt. There's always fingers crossed. And and that's it. And uh, the relationship with that deer was interesting the the next year. It it got, uh, got it, uh, not to sound cheesy, but it got, it got kind of special. And I saw him a couple of times and I'll just let the, let the film speak for itself the next time. But we will wrap up the first half. We're, you know, right at about 35 minutes here and, uh, We'll come back and get into some more fun stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so hang in there with us.
are back. Indeed, we are. And big, big news. Indeed, lots, lots to talk about. Podcast. A lot that? going happening. Yeah, that crack. That's good stuff right there. You know what that means. That it means beer review. Beer review time. And then and, some. And then some. First of all, you ready for this? This beer review is brought to you by Rocco Yonora. Rocco, you demand. But not only Rocco Yonora. Not only. The app Tavor. Yes, sir. So, uh, yeah, we are officially sponsored by Tavor. It is pretty cool if you're into craft beer. It's a new app. It's uh, You pretty much um, you don't need a subscription. You just go on and you set up a profile. You could uh, pretty much pick your beer, make your own case. There's 400 different breweries or something. Yeah, there's there. a ton of them, a ton of them. And it's usually uh, breweries that are not available in the area that you set up the subscription of, from. A lot of rare beer on there. Yeah. And it's it's not like a beer of the month club. There's nope, no, nope. No, you don't have to commit to anything. You can just go through and they will offer you, offer you a number of different beers. You can select which ones you like. If you like them, they'll send them to you. If you don't like them, well, you don't get anything. And you're not, you know, kind of wrangled into some kind of monthly thing like some of these weird box type things that you see all the time, uh, like the man box or the man crate or the, yeah. you know, what have you, the bow hunter box. I yeah. mean, there's tons of them out there, even with cooking at home. You know yeah. what I mean? Where you every you, you sign up and every week or bi-monthly or monthly, what have you, uh, you get something in the mail. This is definitely not like that. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of obligation involved, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And uh, if you are like us, um, you've exhausted most of your local choices. Yeah. So if you want to get something from across the country, this is your best shot. And that's it. This is really gaining a lot of ground. It's it's become kind of a subculture, the whole uh, craft brew, craft yeah. beer thing. So, you know, there's a lot of pages out there on social media that you can follow to see what everybody else is drinking. And you might see something that looks really good and appealing, but you just can't get it because it's not in your area. So uh, Tavor will actually kind of give you an opportunity to get out there and, and see some stuff that's not available in your local area. Uh, and they'll send it to you in a really cool crate box type thing and they pat it up pretty nicely so it doesn't get all messed up on its way um you know the beer that we're drinking right now uh is not an easy beer to get in the northeast pennsylvania area yeah and unfortunately not available anymore i don't believe um i, I, I think that it's off the website i'm not 100 percent on that well it may come around again that's the cool thing is they, they cycle everything around all the time so i would yeah i would get on it and check but if you're going to do that Mm-hmm. You might as well follow the link because we have a link because we have a discount code. Indeed, we do. And that code will get you $10 off after you spend 25 which is pretty sweet. I'm not doing the math on that, but that's a pretty good discount. Well, it's beer math. <laughs> okay? and it's, beer math indeed. It's, it's science and it's hard. Yep. So you just have to trust us and follow the link, and it will be worth it. But as for the beer we are drinking Today, it is from Anchorage Brewing Company. Once again, we had their uh, the Kuyu Vias Double IPA. Vias. Yep, killer, Fantastic. killer beer, unbelievable. Um, this is the Within Us. It's a double India Pale Ale, eight point four percent. Danger, Other than that, danger. 
I don't know a thing about it. Didn't look anything up on it. I, I kind of prefer it that way. And that's cool. Uh, dude, I am blown great. away by the can. That is one of the coolest cans I've seen in a long time. It is really um, cool. And Anchorage Brewing Company, again, not easy to get in our locale. No. So to, to be, and they, from what I understand, they're going to be one of the key holders for Anchorage Brewing Company, yep. correct? They're going to be sending yep. out a lot of their stuff. Um, yep. There's some really cool stuff they're coming out. Uh, again, the Kuyu beer, they have a, two new Kuyu beers coming out. Yeah, uh, they have soon. a stout coming out soon. Um, yeah, the artistic nature of the cans is pretty sweet. I showed my wife, she's a big skull freak, yeah. loves skulls. Yeah. And, is... uh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. I don't with know the what's going on with it. Skeleton inside of the crow body or whatever, you, however you want to say that. But there's, there's gotta be more to this. This is story. a keeper for sure. Uh, but nonetheless, well, Anchorage Brewing Company, I mean, you can't get that in Northeast PA. I don't know if you can get that in Southern Florida. I don't know if you can get that in uh, Central Iowa. Don't know how you can get a hold of this stuff, but... Um, I know how. To how, bore. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Follow that link. Uh, yeah, actually, there's a, a link within the art. It says wolfskulljack.com. I have no idea what that is. Well, I will be checking that out. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, man, it's pretty neat. This is definitely a keeper can. It looks like, uh, like, like what is that called? Like crosshatch? Like yeah, that, like that was done with an ink pen. It, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, we'll post some pictures. We yeah, absolutely shot yeah. of it, but I mean, I'm, I'm torturing myself yeah. here. Can aside, can aside. Um, I, I'm trying. It, it smells fantastic. Yeah, and it is hazy. It's got a really cool smell. The color it, you cannot see through it by any means. It's very hazy, cloudy. Good, good analogy. Um, not a huge head on it, but um, oh man, I, you're already drinking it, so yeah, I'm gonna I have just, to catch up. I, I I couldn't take it anymore. Hot damn. Yeah, yeah, it's great, but. Trying to, I'm moving to Alaska. Oh my god! It, it, <laughs> <laughs> that aftertaste. There, there is an aftertaste. Like there some, is. some beers have them, some beers don't. But it tastes, and I, I don't want to say it tastes like orange juice, but it leaves that that citrusy, little bit acidic, of a bitterness. Yeah, yeah. That it's almost it's like the feel of your mouth after you drink orange juice, not the taste. It's like that acidic. Yep. I'll go with that. Yeah, that's that's very mild, a lot of citrus in it for sure. This is low IBUs because I could definitely drink this in yeah about fifteen minutes, and that might happen. So strap in, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. <laughs> but the uh, man, it's this just, is uh, wow. That's that's a pleasant aftertaste, I would say. Rocco, thank you kindly mm-hmm. uh, for you, passing Rocco. this along. Thank and you, Anchorage. Thank you, Tavor. Absolutely. How about that? Ladies and gentlemen, thank what, you. Yeah. What is for getting us to this point? Yeah. Absolutely. Because without you guys checking it out and listening to the podcast, checking out the videos and, and, and that kind of stuff, I mean this wouldn't have happened. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is pretty cheers. Pretty big step. I'll drink to that. I'll keep drinking to that. And I'll indeed, drink it. indeed. And then when it's gone, I'll probably drink it again. But I'm trying to figure out some of the flavors in this, it, it I'm definitely getting a, a, like a a grain forward flavor. Okay. Like right in the beginning, it tastes like the malt in it, but it's also very juicy 
as cliche as that is when it comes to describing. Well, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting like a a mangoey, citrusy. It almost has a like that like that graininess that I was talking. I don't mean graininess as texture. I mean. Right, right, right. Like the flavor of it. Yeah, yeah. like a almost a weedy. Uh, I, I I hate to say like hay, like a hay flavor. Barley, Barley maybe that's a better, Barley. a better way to put it. Um, but on top, don't of let that, that dissuade you. Uh, the hay flavor. It's just it's it's hard to put a finger on. I, I'm not a beer expert by any means, but uh, boy, yeah, I this mean, is very mild. This is better than the Vias, I would say. Yeah, and that's a stretch because we really dig the bias. I mean, it's it's close. They they were they were similar, but I don't know. I might like this one better. I gotta say, I'm a huge fan of the Anchorage Brewing Company. After this, um, they have knocked a couple of them out of the park, no yeah. doubt. Wow. I, yeah. I, would, I just wish I could pinpoint. Congratulations to everybody involved. <laughs> can, can you pinpoint this is awesome. a flavor in this though? You know what? I can't. I mean. Let me try again here. I'm gonna have to keep on swinging. That's that's just it. Um, maybe just because of like the bitterness that you said, mm-hmm. I would and the citrusy, the, the that kind of acidic feel. Again, I would go with grapefruit. I think I thought the same thing with the bias. I think I ended up going with grapefruit. You know, I had to sit back for a second and I I, I thought about it for half a second and I'm hesitant, but it's almost a strawberry kind of like a berry yeah like some kind of uh, a lot of berries have like the that metallic yeah yeah feel it's, to them and again don't get scared by the metallic uh, uh they're, reference they're, it's really good we're using man. a lot of scary words but <laughs> i know right <laughs> the beer is delicious <laughs> Whew. i'm this going is really to good. so um one thing that we like to do when we do the beer review is we don't usually look up what we're talking about right or what we're drinking i should say um, we like to talk about it, taste it, discuss mm-hmm. it a little bit, and then we'll look it up. Yeah, I mean, usually sometimes they'll, you'll have some information right on the can, like the 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 ABV was uh, the alcohol by volume was eight point four. I mean, so yeah. that's kind of a given. That's right on the can. But as far as like the uh, the IBUs, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Did you look it up yet? Uh, I did. Oh, um, dang me. I was going to let you but, guess. But <laughs> Untapped Untapped doesn't have the IBUs on it. Oh, okay. This is definitely low. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. Um, There's really no bitterness there in regard to the uh, the booziness of it, you know. I was hoping that maybe Anchorage had had some stats on it. Um, what what would you guess on IBUs? I would have to say low sixties, mid sixties, maybe. Um, you know, yeah, it's, I would, it's I got th- a good smell. I think it's the got number a good palate pops in my head would be sixty five. It's not over the top carbonated. You know what I mean? Like yeah, some of them, you, you take a swig of it and you could, that carbonation like slamacks you in the mouth, you know, but. So, so as, as dorky as this sounds, I, I'm a big fan of seltzer. Okay. And like a good seltzer isn't like violent in your mouth. It, it The bubbles aren't real harsh. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of what, like, it's almost, do you ever have a, like a nitro beer? No. That they, instead of being carbonated with CO2, it, it's, it's, um. I've heard of them. I've yeah, seen a like, bunch of references, nitro, but yeah, and it 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 gives it almost like a like a creamy, okay, like very smooth. That that's what this almost feels like. All right, it's just like I'd go with that because, like I said, I, you know, when I first poured it, there really wasn't much of a head on it. 
And I was like, well, okay, well, let's give it a shot. And I think that maybe explained, um, all right, a lot of people are going to snicker, but the lack of head. Yeah. <laughs> because there's really not a, a huge carbonation level in this, and it's good. There's always a good explanation for that, usually. Indeed. All right, here we go. Uh, so Beer Advocate, we were. I was on untapped, and that didn't give me much. Beer Advocate rates this a 4.37 out of 5, which is outstanding. Yeah, I that's pretty good. I don't know if we've had one that was that high. Mm. Um, we don't usually rate it with like on a scale. We, we, we just no. say it's good and call it a day. <laughs> we just always drink good <laughs> beer, and it's just always We've been fortunate. Good. We've been real uh, fortunate. Some of the notes, Super Juicy, Double IPA, Galaxy, and Simcoe Cryo Hops. Um. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, if you're into those cryo hops. I'm trying to see what else. Uh, the scent of a fruit cocktail. Mm, I guess yeah. I can go that route. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, that's, uh, you You were saying strawberries. I was yeah, saying it's, grapefruit. It's one of those things, man. It's hard to put a, your finger on it because it's, I don't I'm know. Not, it's, it's refreshing, I guess, is that the best way to... I mean, a refreshing these, for uh, an 8.4 Yeah, a couple of ABB. these uh, descriptions are... A few people have said pine, but I'm not getting pine at all. No, nor am I. But very good. Grassy? They, maybe that was with the hay, the grassy, that yeah, notes wheat, that I was talking about earlier. Barley? We, yeah. We, we were just throwing shots. I know, right? <laughs> uh, we're just making it up as we go along, ladies and gentlemen. It's the both hops turned up to 11 is one description. All right. Pillowy, soft, and creamy. Well, that, that's, I'll go with that. Man, some people just have a, a great beer vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not me. I was um, uh, on the, the one beer uh, group that I follow on Facebook, and my, my favorite new beer adjective or, or descriptive phrase yeah. is uh, it has a very creamy mouthfeel. <laughs> all right uh, i'll go with it yeah sure i guess that uh creamy mouthfeel yeah, that's <laughs> creamy mouthfeel i almost feel like i need to go to church after that one yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not getting anything I, in regard to the ibus on it um i've looked a few spots it's low it's easy to drink. yeah it's it's definitely going to be on the lower end um but I mean, this well, one highly recommended uh, stamp of approval from the uh, Sons of the Hunt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm just, a big fan of anything they put out. I mean, I'm really looking forward to trying some of their other stuff. I mean, uh, you know what's funny is that the the further I get through the beer, and I think that as it's kind of aerating and warming up a little bit, mm-hmm. it's starting to become more hop forward. In the beginning, I I was just getting. A ton of citrus and that kind of weedy, grassy flavor. And now it is starting to become very hop forward. I think more of the bitterness is coming up. It's just good. It's just. Yeah, it's got high reviews everywhere. It's unbelievable. I mean, 3.9 yeah. out of 4. Uh, 4.4 out of 5. Like, I mean, it's it's got some pretty good reviews on it, so. I'm just trying to find a little bit more of a, uh, and again, I, I'm I'm looking on ratebeer.com and like it gives you the ABV, but as far as IBU, it's just a blank dash. So, 
Who knows? I, we're going to go with like mid 60s and call it a day. You're just going to have to trust us. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I mean, if you could get your hands on it, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll enjoy it if you like very juicy, hazy double IPAs. I mean, that's that's kind of the... Um, Contact Rocco Yanora. Yeah, call, call Rocco. <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll hook you All up. All joking aside, thank you very much, Rocco. This yeah. was a, a nice treat. Yeah. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Yeah. If it was bad, we we would have to like you know lay on you a little yeah. bit. But no, this is really truly a, yeah. a good beer. It's Thank you. Um, yeah, and it's that that juicy. Mine's almost gone. Double IPA train that everyone's riding right now is chugging along, man. It's I. It's a great style for a beer. I don't know what's going to be next, but we'll see, man. Uh, there's a couple of things coming on the pipeline for the the distant future. Um, but as far as the near future, I mean, I think they're looking a little bit more fruit forward with a lot oh, of these yeah. things. Um, cause they're, t- I think a lot of these companies want it to be more palatable to people who are not big beer fans. Like the right. sours are becoming a big thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I know two roads has, a a sour IPA right now. I think it's called zero to 60 and it is awesome. Really? Yeah. It's really good. Uh, Bridget picked that up the other day mm-hmm. and. We could both enjoy it because she likes sours. Right. And awesome. Really, and that's it. My really wife is a really big fan beer. of ciders. She likes to drink, like, you know, your woodchuck ciders, the apple yeah. ciders, the peach type stuff. Um, that's more her bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had a few. Uh, my birthday was just passed recently, and uh, I got a lot of beer for my birthday, which is great. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, yeah, thank you, by the way. Mark uh, Mark got me a couple of beers for my birthday yeah. as well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm definitely working my way towards alcoholism in, at a rapid rate. Look, um, we, <laughs> we got a sponsor. <laughs> it's amazing. See that? Um, you said I, we were going to get a sponsor. It, it, it's a lock. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> And these are not... Again, it's not the sponsor that's going to help us get over our problem. It's the sponsor that is... It totally did a 180 on us. Yeah, supporting our problem. I'm telling you. That's awesome. But that's nonetheless, uh, you know, my, my wife is into the, the those other types of, of uh, beverages. So, um, you know, a lot of the sours and a lot of some of these juicier IPAs are trying... I think they're trying to appeal to uh, a bit of a different market that's not traditionally into the whole... IPA it's, beer. It's funny market. that you mentioned that because the few doubles that I've let Bridget try, she's enjoyed. Right. So um, we were just down in Cape May last yeah, week, yeah. and then we had that Cape May. Uh, it was their double IPA, the uh, coastal evacuation. She loved it. Oh man, you! I tried that when I first it's got awesome. here this evening. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a great beer, and it, I. I think it's great, you know, that it's it's kind of like, you know, the beer world is evolving and there's, you know, they're reaching people who weren't previously IPA fans and it absolutely. It's it's, it's neat. It's neat to watch. It, it it is. Like, you know, I said I my first experience with an IPA was a Stone, and that was back in early 2000s. And, you know, and and that beer itself, I still a fan of it, but it's not for everybody. No. It, you know what I mean? So now you have stuff like this, uh, the Within Us, the double IPA uh, out of Anchorage Brewing Company that is stellar. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that may not be a big fan of the traditional IPAs who would drink this and go, wow, that's that's really good. Yeah. You know, so it's, they're kind of expanding their horizons a little bit into a market that wouldn't traditionally be a, a big fan of a standard IPA. 
So, yeah, big fan of it, man. And kudos to everybody out there really pushing the envelope with this type of stuff because – the way that coats the glass. I know, right? It's a, it's a, it's a heavier, you know, it doesn't taste heavy, Mm -mm. but it, you know, when you roll it around your glass, it'll, it'll coat a little, but, uh, again, another reason to, uh, check out Tavor because, uh, there's a lot of different options out there that may, uh, appeal to you that you wouldn't, uh, normally find at your local convenient or, uh, Wegmans market, what have you. Yeah. And I um, hope that I'm speaking accurately that they are going to be the exclusive distributor of Anchorage. That's what I understand as well. So that's awesome because they are putting out some stellar beer from the two that we've had. I mean, they yeah. haven't missed yet. Knocked them dead. Yeah. No so. doubt. So yeah, get out there and check out Tavor and uh, follow the link that you will find uh, below in the comments and uh, get yourself a deal. Yeah. But Check it out. Let us know how you fare with it. Let us know what you're drinking, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll highlight that beer on one of our future podcasts. Absolutely. Recommendations, whatever you got, we'll tr- we'll try to get it one way or the other. Even if it's not on there, let us know what you like. Maybe we'll uh, we'll track yeah. it down and see what we can put together. We chirp in their ear for sure. Indeed. You know, make it happen. But let's uh, talk about something outdoor related. Let's do that, shall so, we? There's a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. There's a lot going on. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I've been waiting. This is kind of the uh, the freestyle portion since we've been doing two in the first half of of the uh, podcast episodes. Right. The, we, we've actually had a little bit of a lag here. I don't know. How, how many weeks has it been since we did one? This is three weeks. Yeah, we, yeah. we had a slag. I mean, but you were on vacation, yeah, so it's vacation. summertime. That thing yeah. kind of happens. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we get busy. Like, oh, this is not our primary job. No, no, <laughs> not even by both. any means. But um, uh, yeah, I've just been jonesing to get back here and talk and just. Oh, absolutely! You know, I, I I've been waiting for uh, the uh, the green light, so yeah, to speak, to get yeah. back in the chair here. So, but you know, it, we've got archery season rolling up on us. Indeed, so we're, man. We're both having our issues getting situated, and I'm not. I yeah. won't say it's an issue. It's just you know. Mine is moving along as sure. quickly as it could progress. You've got a couple of snags with your equipment. Yeah, and, a couple. Uh, you know, and that just comes along with, you know, like anything, you know, every once in a while. I, I've had a lot of good years where I've had zero snags at all, and I've transitioned smoothly mm-hmm. into the season. This is just one of those years where uh, it, I've, I've got a few hang-ups. But, again, it comes back around to the whole um, – bow hunting hunting lifestyle outdoors lifestyle type deal you know where i shoot a good portion of the year yeah you know like i said i've been out knocking snow off my targets with my with my bow uh in the winter time just because it's like i get an itch i gotta go shoot so i've got some uh, some issues with my bow and it's been ongoing for some time now and uh, I, I've got a lot of confidence in the people who have it in their possession right now that they're going to be able to dial it in for me and get it straightened out for me. And now I'll, I'll be back on track, hopefully, right at the beginning of the season there. So, But the good thing, again, about being in that lifestyle is shooting a lot. And um, if I were to get this bow back within a few days before the season, I'm fairly confident I'll be able to dial it in and get confident in my equipment and be able to go out there and, and harvest some animals and uh Pretty quick method, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and uh, knock it out real quick. See, I, I, I feel the same way, and I, fe- I think that that um, 
that's a sign of a, pretty much just a, a, a competent archer. Sure. I mean, you've been shooting so long, and you shot 3D for a little bit, and yep. you know you you're you know what you're doing with a bow. And that, that's it. I, I've I've made it more of a not so much a, a hobby, but an, an absolute passion. Yeah. You know, and shooting it, indoor 3D, uh, whenever just shooting in the backyard. See, I yeah. mean, for, for me, I was never a competitive shooter. I didn't, you know, I. it's just that I started so young. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, was I six? Six or seven when I started shooting a bow? Yeah, that's where you had that an advantage just, over me, for sure. I could just pick up, I, and I. this is in no way a brag, it's just I could just pick up a bow and be all right with it. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> during trout season, we go out to... Uh, my grandparents had a, a little shack out on the Wampaw Pack Creek, and there's this old bow, this, I don't know, it's like a red, it's almost like a toy bow. Mm-hmm. And there's just some arrows laying around, and we just get into it every year, throwing cans out in the yard <laughs> and shooting. And it's just, it's it's nothing to pick it up and hit the can, you know. Right. Six or seven times out of ten. It's just, once you understand how the bow works and where where you need to aim, and it becomes an instinct putting a compound bow in your hand is nothing you know right. that's why you know this my bow is sitting right over there it's not sighted in yet right i have my arrows will be coming in a couple of days my broadheads are coming it'll take me 10 minutes to sight it in right to get comfortable with it you know i it's i'm not going to go out the first day and shoot 50 yards with it but i know that if a deer walks into 20 yards it's a dead deer and that's it. And you build a level of confidence with, with it. And, you know, I, I don't have that. You have a little bit of an advantage over me in that regard. I didn't start shooting archery until I was in my early to mid-20s. Um, you know, I've always kind of been intrigued by it. I've had friends who have done it. And uh, one of my roommates uh, had a bow uh, back in early 2000s. And it was actually late 90s, actually, 98, 99. And uh, I used to go in the basement with this thing and shoot fingers until my fingers were raw. Yeah. And he was like, yo, you should really look into this, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the girl I was dating at the time who turned in to be my wife actually took me out for my birthday and bought me a bow. And I got set up with a compound bow and a release yeah. and got set up the right way. And, man, it just took off. It's it just, just took off, you know. And uh, that became part of who I am, you know what I mean. It was yeah. cool finding yourself that way, you know. So. Uh, and I just hit the ground running, shooting in every tournament I could shoot in. Um, they have a thing called the Keystone Games. It's like it's kind of like the Olympics, but it's just Pennsylvania driven. Yeah. Uh, I went and shot the Keystone Games every year. I went down to Harrisburg and shot in the uh, PSAA, the Pennsylvania State Archery Association. Just loved it. Any chance I can get to get out and shoot my bow, man, I was on it. So that kind of built a bit of a rapport with with me and and, and my bow. Uh, to where I got to be very comfortable with it. And that's going to pay dividends down the road. And, and again, we talked about it earlier where people who are just like, they're not that into it. You don't have to be in, you know, all the way in, like yeah. lifestyle-driven archer to, to enjoy yourself in the archery woods. You know, get out, get yourself a bow and, and get proficient with it and, and enjoy it. I mean, that's great. Well, that's, yeah, that, and that's the big thing, um with Bridget is that, you know, I'm, I'm telling her that I, I just know that once she starts shooting that she's going to, I think that she's going to enjoy just shooting the bow more than actually hunting. 
Oh, no doubt. She, she's very athletic. She, she works out all the time. Mm -hmm. She, I, she's going to be magnetized to it. I, I know it. Um, but as far as just shooting a bow, I, I really feel like anyone can appreciate that. It's, it's not the same (laughs) as shooting a rifle in, in any regard. No. I mean, you know, sure, some of the techniques and breathing and blah, blah, blah. Uh, sure, sure. There's something just completely different that puts your mind in a different place. And, you know, it. I think just because it requires all your focus, mm-hmm. it just, it, it does something for you mentally. Well, it, that's it. it. Absolutely. I mean, 10% physical, 90% mental. Yeah. Ask anybody who's involved in any kind of coaching or target shooting or anything of that nature, they're going to tell you it's 10% physical, 90% of that is mental. Yeah. And you have to understand and, and realize how you need to let go of everything and focus on nothing but where that pin is going to be. Not where it is, right. but where it's going to be. And right. anticipation of that. Because no one can hold dead still. No. It just doesn't happen. We're mm-hmm. not built that way. Uh, but when you can anticipate where that pin's going to sway into and you can touch that arrow off... You're going to hit dead nuts every time. And coming back around to, you know, Bridget learning it, and I might catch a little bit of flack for this, but um, women are built to shoot bows better than men. It's just they have a lower center of gravity. Did they ever do that? You ever do that uh, experiment when you were in school where you lean over, touch your head to the wall, yeah, and you pick up the garbage can and try and stand up? Men can't do it, but women can. Yeah, we were just doing it. It's that lower center of (laughs) gravity. Yeah, you know, it's true though. Women have a lower center of gravity. Yeah. And when you think about how you your stance, you know what I mean? Your lower body is is crucial to your stance and how you anchor yourself to shoot a bow. Women are just built better to do it than men are. Yeah. It's just bottom line. My wife, you know, I got her into shooting for a little while. Now she had a very bad car accident uh years ago, so she couldn't draw a bow for a while. Um, but once she got to the point where she could draw a bow, draw a bow, um, I had a good friend of mine who was who was shooting bows long before I was, since he was a kid, and it got to the point where within about two or three weeks, my wife was a better shot than he was. Yeah, and man, he did not take kindly to that. No, no. <laughs> it, well, it's like I, I used to be a, a pretty big golfer, and I I feel like there were times where I would. Like in the past, you know, in the beginning of our relationship with Bridget, she'd be hitting these drives like 150 yards mm-hmm. right down the middle, nice and easy. And I am trying my damnedest. Yeah. Like I, I was, I was a competitive golfer. I, I loved to golf. I used to practice all the time. Mm-hmm. And she would just, she'd make it look so effortless. Right. And it was just so frustrating to think that you sure. put so much time into it and it, but that's that's the way it goes. I mean, it it almost seems like the the more you put into something, sometimes the more you get in your own head with it. Oh sure, I'm an absolute horrible golfer. I love it though. I I'll yeah. go out and golf. My buddy Chris that golfs with me, because uh, I don't have a lot of golfing friends, so mm-hmm. he's the only one I hang out with that golfs. And I think I've broken him uh, yeah. because he doesn't even keep scoring anymore. <laughs> yeah, because so I'll chase the ball all over the damn green. You know what I mean? Trying to trying to hit it. I'm like, you know, he's like, what'd you get for that hole? I'm like, is a nine okay? You yeah, know, just sure. joking with him, you know. But 
I, I enjoy going out and being out there and doing it, but I'm absolutely terrible at it. But, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter that women have a lower center of gravity, it makes it a little bit easier for them to do certain things. Yeah. And archery, definitely one of it's them. One of golf, things, yeah. sounds like golf's one of them too. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's funny. There's, there's a couple of sports that are closely related, and I know people who are good at these couple mm-hmm. things. It's, yeah. it's like archery golf, bowling, yeah, and most of the time baseball. Yeah, baseball, basketball is a big one, especially when you come into like uh, traditional archery. Mm-hmm. You know, I always kind of uh, Baseball, relate. though, because of, of pretty much pitching. Sure. I, I've, I've pitching heard and it a shooting thousand the basket, times. Yeah. Or No, pitching and shooting traditional archery, it's like you need, just need to get into that rhythm. And That's it. And it has to be the same thing every time, and you just need to make it automatic. The That's draw, it. it has to be one motion. It's the exact same thing with pitching. Absolutely, Once yeah. you start, you know, zinging fastballs into the, In the, the strike, strike zone, zone yep. over and over and over, yep. it's the exact same thing as putting an arrow in a pie plate at 20 yards That's again. That's it. And you again need to know again. how hard you need to throw that ball, how hard you need to wind your arm up to get that ball to go where you want it to go. Yep. It's the same thing with traditional archery, man. When you're snap shooting or, you know, you're, you're drawing back and you're letting go at a certain age. You've got to learn the trajectory and that stuff. And it becomes ingrained in your brain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Uh, you can really kind of uh, compare those two and, and, and uh, they kind of strive alongside of each other for sure. Yeah. But. And uh, we're, we, we're moving right along here. We're Indeed. O- <laughs> we're over an hour. <laughs> and we've been talking about uh, and I feel like baseball and, competitive and uh, traditional archery. I feel like there's still things we could easily talk about. Like, it, well, there's a lot. Like I said, it's been three weeks since we've been in the chair, um, and there's a lot going on. I mean, you went on vacation. Uh, you got to check out some really cool stuff while you were on vacation. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff has happened in the industry. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's kind of a, a somber thing because I've been kind of torn up about you know the. the uh, Jason Harrison, that was just a, a complete tragedy. I mean, he was I, – I followed his career pretty closely. And mm-hmm. being, you know, a, a business-minded person, he, I just thought he was, you know, brilliant. Yeah. You know, he just – he revolutionized an industry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, especially anybody who's entrepreneurial-minded. I mean, you, you, I, see, I, I, we were just talking about this earlier. I, I read uh, a Forbes article on him. Yeah. And I, I think we should just uh, say that um, he, for, for people who may not know, he was the founder of Kuyu. Yeah. And um, I, I'm very early in my uh, experience with them, and it... it it's just kind of a weird thing because you know I'm just just starting to get some some gear and yeah I haven't even brought it into the woods yet and I'm in love with it and it's I, I and uh, the the founder uh, passed away the other day very unexpectedly he yeah. was very young yep still unclear as to uh, kind of what transpired but I mean there's a lot of rumors out there but you know we we we've I don't learned speculate. in the past yeah Mark and I have learned in the past to not not speculate on that kind of stuff and wait for the facts to arise in that regard but I mean there's there's the outdoor industry um, is a very interesting industry uh, there's a lot of people out there who ride the corporate train. And there's a lot of people who deviate from that. 
And he's one of those individuals who deviated from that corporate minded um, yeah, he prototype, did, you know, did things his own way. That's it. That's it. You know, I mean, and a lot of people don't realize that uh, Sitka was his company. Yeah. And uh, he once everything kind of went the way it went with Sitka, he moved on and decided that he was going to master the whole, you know, in, encompassing aspect of entrepreneurism. And, yeah, and it was it was pretty much like direct con- to consumer. Yeah, is what he pretty much coined. Indeed, and yeah. it, it it changed the game. And I guess the the best way to put it, I mean, I I quietly followed his career, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, basically just you know looked on him with with a lot of jealousy because I mean it was just incredible what he did and it's just you you wish you can accomplish half of what he did in his time in in the short time that he was with us he did an extraordinary amount of things that's he played for the 49ers he played for the broncos he was a linebacker then he went and started two of the The biggest outdoor clothing lines out there yeah i mean no question a brilliant mind just gone too soon. We yeah. should just appreciate the time that we were able to have him here. And that's it. Yeah. To, to learn from someone like that. I mean, like I said, I read a couple articles on him uh, not too long ago and, and I was blown away by the way he took things. Yeah. You know what I mean? He took a negative, turned it into a positive. Always. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, to it, put himself out there to test his own equipment and put himself on a, on a, a moving iceberg or to put himself in the middle of a storm in, in the Arctic. I mean, that was just his gig, man. That's how he figured things out. And, and you know, the, the one thing that it makes this really uh, uh, perturbing to me is, you know, I've been kind of batting around the idea of hunting out of a tent during archery season just to add an extra challenge because mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've been – you know, thinking about things that I haven't done and trying to figure out why I haven't done them. And maybe it's just because, you know, it, it's adversity and it's something different and it's hard. And, and maybe deep down, I'm a little afraid of it. And it's one of those things that I think, you know, we, we've talked about in the past. To grow, you need to have difficult encounters. That's you it. need to do difficult things. And you, you look at the things he did, he took everything head on just like you said he would turn negatives into positives yeah he'd put himself in the most difficult climates and harshest weather you could find and yeah and that's the thing that's had my mind you know the gears in my mind turning about trying to do something different you know if i'm gonna go out of state and hunt somewhere and maybe i should you know backpack it and i should get in a tent or, or i should, should sure. just try something different to challenge myself just to see what i can do and uh with the way this just turned out it was just shocking you yeah know, it's, it's, it's a big and blow it's... to that uh that level of the outdoor community you know what i mean because like you said there's a lot of big companies out there that have that you know big mindedness you know what i mean that mm-hmm. that big corporate mind and and then you have a couple of stragglers you know what i mean like I, maybe that's not the right terminology to use but a couple of people who outliers yeah outliers thank you that's the best way to put it that uh change the game mm-hmm. you know what i mean so uh, it's an unfortunate loss for the for the outdoor community and for you know the business in general 
you know but uh yeah there's a, there's just been a lot going on you know what i mean yeah. and uh you know it, not to harp too much on it because it is a little depressing you yeah because I mean? the guy left a great depressing. mark it is but he left a great mark on the outdoor industry and he, he made a lot of big strides and he set the standard for a lot of people to learn from to kind of take those reins yeah and, and change the dynamic of uh the outdoor industry a little bit yeah and know? I, so and that's i guess that that would be taking the positive out of the negative in his sure. uh in I, his stance and i have a feeling that kuyu will definitely carry on no it, doubt I, I mean, i'm sure it will just because of his mindset and the the people i'm sure he inspired around him yeah will you know do the same thing he did and take a negative and do their best to make it a positive and, and that's it. he he really was pretty adamant in the type of business model that he created yeah you know so he learned a lot of lessons from the whole kuyu concept and 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 translated those into uh, a huge benefit in growing a $50 million company in five years from Kuyu yeah. and, and really setting a standard uh, yeah. for for a lot of people out there who are looking to break into the business. First, someone like you yourself. Yeah. You know what I Yo, mean? Oh, yeah. And and that was the one of the biggest things. It's, I was just about to the point where, you know, I, I followed him for so long and, and watched what he was doing that I was getting ready to try to get in touch with them or, mm-hmm. or talk to them in some way and just try to get, you know, any little piece of advice, motivation, you know. Sure. When, you, when you're trying to do something like this, you're always trying to keep it moving. Yeah. And you're, you're looking for that next piece of motivation. And you have that goal and that, that drive to just keep after it. And when you see somebody who who has done something like Kuyu, mm-hmm. but He's embodied not it, only for Kuyu, sure. he, he, did, he was... Sitka, he did Sitka was and, huge. Oh, and just to mention before that, he w- he played in the NFL. Yeah, as yeah. A After linebacker. he broke his neck in college, like I, I mean, mean, the guy was a, just he just did not. There's no quitting the dude. No, and I, it's that's the kind of person you look to for advice. You just yeah. you know that just never ending drive. I, he was just always looking for more, and that's just. To me, that that's everything. That's, you know, that's what drives me to do this. That's what drives me to keep doing the podcast and just keep at it. It's just I'm just not going to stop with it. Nope. And that's pretty much all, you know, yeah. the, the thing you should take away from that, if anything, is reflect back on what he's done and what he's left behind mm-hmm. and look at that and use that, you know, harness that as motivation because it, it's just it really is. It's it's. uh it's pretty extraordinary. Absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, kudos to uh, him and his uh, business mightiness and, uh, you know, condolences to the to the family. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. But I, I think we should probably just wrap that up there. We're at, geez, an hour and a... Hour and 18. Almost hour pu- 18 pushing an hour and 20 minutes already. Yeah. It's easy to do, man, when we've been three weeks yeah, out of the chair. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot to babble <laughs> on about. Uh, hopefully people are still listening to us. But Oh, uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but we'll be, we'll, we'll, uh, we kind of made a little bit of a schedule there. I, I don't know if we'll do our best to stick to it, but we're going to bring the last installment of two, hopefully in the next podcast. That will wrap it up. That will bring us right to the beginning of PA bow season. Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah, we need a little bit of an out. 
Yeah, I need to. Uh, Got to get out in that tree and uh, spend some time breathing that fresh air and smelling those leaves rotting on the ground, man. Nothing better than than uh, than the uh, opener of uh, Pennsylvania bow season. So. We'll see. We got some surprises coming for that too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've got we've got some things planned. We're gonna keep it keep it interesting, keep it moving. Try to keep uh, everyone interested. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. We we would not be here without you guys. Absolutely, it's, it's, it's rolling right along. There's a lot of you know positivity, a lot of good support. Um, we got a lot of good feedback from the last episode. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, that bow video went bananas, dude. Yeah, I mean, and uh, moreover, we we honestly we just love doing this. Yeah, I, I I could not wait to get back here and get my face stuffed in this microphone. I know, just, I know. We were both talking about it earlier today. Like we both could not wait to get back in the chair and get and get going with yeah. this again. Uh, so we just definitely love it doing it and uh, love bringing you guys whatever kind of fresh perspective we can come up with ourselves. Yeah, we may not always be right, but we'll be honest. Yep, that's for sure. That's true. But that's going to wrap it up for episode 13. Um, once again, thank you to everyone, and we'll see you next episode. Go easy. Go easy.